Hello everyone, you are listening to Black Adoptees Identities. I am your host, Christelle Pellicure, and I am a coach and a multidisciplinary creative. Please join me to explore what identity means for adult adoptees and how they form their identity for their own adoption journey. In this podcast, you will hear a variety of views from adult adoptees about their own experience of adoption and how adoption has impacted them and what lessons they have learned along the way. Please note that the guests have been courageous in sharing their stories and some of the content and subject matters can be emotionally challenging and distressing for some individuals. Please use your own judgment whether to continue to listen or not and do look after yourself. And if you are affected by some of the issues discussed, please seek appropriate support and help. In this episode, I am in conversation with Lydia Berke. We discussed a different narrative around adoption and how it impacted her identity. Lydia talked about becoming the most authentic version of herself and affirming herself as a Black woman and developing a racial identity. She also talked about being an adoptee advocate and about finding love. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Black Adoptees Identities. My name is Christelle Pellicure, and I am your host. I am very excited to welcome with us today on the podcast, Lydia Berke. Lydia Berke is an adult transracial adoptee. Lydia grew up with very little connection to her culture of origin and has spent the last eight years reclaiming her identity. Lydia has worked in child welfare for the past four years and is passionate about bridging the racial and emotional gap between transracial adoptees and their adoptive parents. Lydia created her Instagram to connect with other adoptees and build a community to share our unfiltered feelings about adoption and for adoptees to feel less alone. Lydia, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Now, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's a rainy day here. How are you? (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, we're going to find out which part of the world you are. Yes. um, Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about who you are, where you're based, and uh, a little bit about your adoption story. Okay. So like she said, my name is Lydia. I am an adult transracial adoptee. Um, I was born in Detroit, Michigan and the United States. And I was raised about an hour north in a very small white town. Grew up there for 18 years. I then um, spent four years away at college, about two and a half hours away from where I grew up. And then after graduating, I moved to Pennsylvania, which is where I'm based at now. And how was your journey for adoption? Have you always known growing up that you're adopted? I always knew I was adopted. I was a very just like intuitive child. I mean, you know, a lot of times people say like children are, they don't see color. And my parents always said that basically from the time I could talk, I would point out the differences in my skin color from their skin color. Um, And it was never anything that they tried to hide. 
And so, yeah, I think I just always knew I was adopted. I didn't know how being Black would impact me outside of my home. And learning the narratives of adoption was definitely a hard journey for me growing up and just having, you know, the narratives of gratitude put on me um, and just not feeling like I had the space to explore and identify my Blackness or explore and identify any feelings towards my adoption. Yeah, and that feeling of gratitude, I mean, that is something that it's very prevalent for adoptees because we, being made that we are lucky, we are the chosen one, and we should be grateful for being where we are because if you're not, if you haven't been adopted, we won't be so lucky. Um, right yeah yeah. and I think especially when it's a black or brown child into a white home you know there was lots of people making assumptions as to why I was adopted why I was placed for adoption my parents being held on a pedestal um, by everyone but specifically um, in religious spaces for you know doing this good deed and so yeah, again, as a child, it just didn't really allow me space to feel anything outside of that because I was never told that I was allowed to feel anything outside of gratitude. And how did you then try to come out of that? Because that impacts your identity. And if you're not allowed to do anything uh, outside that narrative, how did you come up as you grow up to try to identify yourself as you know, Lydia, how did you go about becoming? I know your name on social media is Becoming Lydia. (laughs) Yeah, no, it is because I feel like I'm on this continual journey of becoming the healthiest version of myself, the best version of myself, the most authentic version of myself. Because as an adoptee, as someone growing up in a space where you don't see a lot of people that look like you, it's really hard. And I mean, as a teenager, all you want to do is fit in and be cool, right? And I stuck out like a sore thumb. And so there were times where I felt like I had to show up in a certain way to be liked by people, whether that was music or clothing or just things that I was like, this is what will allow me to be accepted because I really just wanted to fit in. And I think I grew very weary and just tired of doing that probably around high school. And I think I was a very social person. I was involved in a lot of extracurriculars. And so I gave off the perception like I had a lot of friends and like I was really close with people. But and I've even spoken with my mom about this. I really didn't hang out with people outside of school. And I just filled my time with work. But I just wasn't like, you know, I wasn't the person being invited first. Sometimes when, you know, plans were made, then I was asked or, you know, they need another person to keep the cost down for like prom, like the party bus or whatever. Um, And so I really, um, it allowed me some time for reflection to really see kind of the people I was surrounding myself with. But it really took going away to college. And um, I did some therapy. And that was the first time that I was told adoption was trauma. And being adopted as an infant, I always disenfranchised my grief and felt like, well, why is something that I don't even remember, something that happened when I was four months old, still impacting me today? And so that was the start of my healing journey. 
also college was the start I wouldn't say the start but really propelled my racial identity growth and becoming like a black woman because I didn't grow up around a lot of other black people I mean I went to a black hair salon that was um, like 30 minutes away from where my family lived but you know that was only eight weeks that I was spending time with my beautician and so this was the first time where I could really be in shared company with people that looked like me so I joined the Black Student Union throughout my college experience I had some Black mentors I joined a multiracial church I joined the school's gospel choir so I was really trying to develop this racial identity that I felt like I had to catch up on and it did take me a while because I felt like an imposter in those spaces because I didn't have shared experience with these people in my Blackness on all levels. And so, yeah, it's it's been a continual journey. I mean, even now being four years out from college, I'm still continually affirming myself in who I am as a Black woman and affirming myself in my thoughts and feelings about my adoption. When you say that, I can... You know, I can relate totally on, you know, you being feeling stuck between two worlds. So you, you don't feel like you belong to the Black community because you haven't really grown around them. You don't know how to behave around them. But at the same time, you don't feel like you fit in the white community where you right. grow up either. So you are in limbo in between two worlds. And that is really the difficulty, I think, with navigating the adoption mm-hmm. because you don't know who you are you don't know where you belong uh, and you're in this continuous space of trying to to find an answer to that yes through your journey have you met other adopted then or did you because I think for your your social media page you you talk a lot about adoption and yeah yeah. (laughs) so you're you're an advocate so (laughs) yes no so in college I ended up getting connected with two younger Black transracial adoptees that were like middle school, high school age. And kind of just like as a mentor, but also just like, you know, talking with them. And so I was listening to these two younger girls and I felt like I was talking with a younger version of myself, just them feeling isolated, not having any form of identity, not being able to talk to their adoptive parents because a space hadn't been cultivated for them to articulate their adoption feelings or their feelings about being Black. And so I was like, man, I feel like it can't just be the three of us. So there must be other adoptees out in the world that feel this way. So that is what propelled me to create my social media platform, really with the intentions of connecting with other adoptees so that we wouldn't feel alone, as well as educating adoptive parents just through my own experience, because I do feel like there are things that white parents don't even think about because they've never been around Black people. So they don't know how to raise a Black child. And so my hope is that through listening to adult adoptees like myself, adoptive parents will become more cognizant and that, you know, in 10, 15 years when I'm meeting Black transracial adoptees, their parents have done the work and they can't share in my experience. If she had to say something to, I don't know, maybe your adoptive parents or any other white parents who's thinking about adopting, what would be your message to them? Do internal work before stepping into this. A lot of times people are adopting based off their own trauma. So maybe 
they have struggled with infertility or whatever has led them to adopt. And so I think sometimes adoption is used as a Band-Aid for a bullet hole wound. And that causes a lot of trauma to adoptees just from the emotional things that our parents are going through. Um, And then the added complexity of transracial adoption, most white adoptive parents don't live in diverse places. They didn't care about Black lives before adopting a Black child. Their Black child may be the first real intentional interaction they've had with a Black person. And so that is a big red flag to me. And unfortunately, adoption agencies do not require outside cultural competency work, outside of maybe whatever trainings they provide. And so I'd really encourage families that are looking into adopting and are saying they're open to adopting children of any race to really do internal work whether you're really prepared to raise a child of another race and what harm you yourself, your community, your biases will cause to this child. Yeah, and I think there's still that narrative who says, yeah, but we're going to love the child. So no matter how, we will Drive love me the crazy. child. <laughs> yeah, so I think, yeah, it's it's part of trying to get past that narrative as well is because right. for the child is, you know, love is important, but it's not only the only thing. So I think when you say about do the internal work, that is really important because even if you love the child and, you know, I, I you know, most parents who adopt who end up loving the child they adopt, but there's still issues that the child is going to have to face. So it's, it is really important for them to do the internal work. Absolutely. And I don't think there's that many agencies who focus on that. <laughs> right. There isn't because they're just like, wow, you're willing to adopt. Here we go. It's always the child needs was put last in everything. Yes. And I think that's where part of the reason I do this so adoptee yeah. can talk about their feeling for once, because most often we hear about adoptive parents' voices talking about how they feel about the situation, but not always the adoptee. So it's exactly. that's why it was important for me to, to put a platform where adoptee could voice their concern. What do you see for yourself? So you say you're always in the process of becoming. So what do you see yourself in a few years' time? Is, is adoption something that would define you forever, or is that not allowing that narrative to define who you are. Uh, so how do you take adoption in your in your world? Yeah, no, I love that question because I don't think my adoption identifies me. I like to think of myself as a Black woman that happened to be adopted and not that my adoption um, defines me because there's so much goodness in my life and adoption is hard and there are still parts of it that impact me today and probably will for the rest of my life, but I'm not going to allow it to overtake me. And I want to show adoptees that there is goodness in life and that we can work through these hard things and that we don't walk this life and this journey of adoption by ourselves, but we have one another. And so I would love to hopefully, you know, I I love the adoption community, the adoptee community, and love getting to connect with adoptees. And I hope that um, over time I can connect with more adoptees in person. I would love to someday do some sort of retreat or something where we can all get together and talk about our shared experiences, but also just talk about life, right? For me, I think about 
my black friends. We don't just talk all about how hard it is to be black in life, right? Like there is goodness. There's that's hashtag black joy, right? There's so much goodness um, and so much to celebrate in our blackness. And I think the same thing in my adoption in the sense that I'm resilient, I'm living this life and continuing to heal continual journey of just, again, becoming the best version of myself. And so I want to share that with other people that maybe don't have that support or don't know where to start. I love that you mentioned about retreats because I'm organizing retreat at the moment. So you need to come and join us. Um, yeah. I'm having one in Portugal and one in Morocco. <laughs> when I want to come. Next year. So specifically for Black women adoptees. So please oh, do come yeah, join I us. To, I would <laughs> love to. Talk after this. <laughs> I would love to. Yes. Yeah. No, I think it's important. Again, I... I thought there's not enough space where we meet and just talk and have a safe right. space. And because I did um, women's circle during lockdown and that was really valuable, but yeah. I feel like being in the same space and being at proximity of each other, it's such a different right. experience in itself. So that's why I've started doing that as well. So yeah, I would love okay. to just to develop more for more adoptees to come and join um and like you said it's important for us to just meet and talk but again adoption can be so heavy that we don't want to talk about it all the time but I think it's so beautiful when we have the shared experience and we don't have to speak on it all the time because we just know right um and it's just a beautiful thing to be able to build relationships with people who see you in your wholeness yeah absolutely and so what's next for you what's next for me well a Adoptee-wise, in the adoption community, I mean, November is National Adoption Awareness Month, and so I'm looking at hopefully talking with some adoptees. I have some projects that I would love to get other adoptee voices on um, and, you know, just amplify other adoptees. I'm always really big on my experiences, just one, and so I love that adoptive parents are listening to me, but I want them to listen to other people because mm-hmm. I'm I'm just one experience. Um, personally, um, I got engaged a few months ago. Congratulations. So in, <laughs> thank you. So we're in wedding planning process. We are just um, loving every second of it. Everyone's like, are you stressed? I'm like, no, I love it. It's so fun. Um, and I think those that's one of those goodness pieces, right? Like, of course, there can be some grief and loss in the fact that I'm like, wow, I wish, you know, I wish my birth family was here, right? I always think of my birth family during milestones like this. But I'm also just like, little Lydia is just squealing that, you know, she she used to watch these shows and want to find someone to love, specifically, you know, Black love. And so to have that and find that, I feel like I'm just healing my inner child. And so it's just such a beautiful thing. I get so emotional about it um, because it's something that I've always wanted and I'm truly living that out. And so it's just a really beautiful thing for me at this time. Wow, congratulations. I'm so happy for you. And, you know, relationship is one of the things that's come up a lot with um, mm-hmm. those interviews because of the emotions adoptees go through. Relationship yeah. is very hard mm-hmm. things to navigate for 
many of us and a lot of people don't find that love that they want you know yeah. that's one thing that adopters want forever because that you know from yeah. the separation from the parent they want this love so yeah uh, I get really excited when I see an adoptive <laughs> is finding love <laughs> yes oh my goodness yeah it's a journey just like anything else right like I'm a big believer that you don't have to be completely healed to find love. Like we're all worthy of goodness, whether we're complete, like I'm never going to be completely healed, right? There's always going to be something, but I, you know, it was something that I wanted. It's something that I've worked hard on myself and I'm still a work in progress, right? Like I think being in a relationship, I realized how much my adoption really did impact me in a way that I didn't in friendships, right? In platonic relationships. And I was like, Ooh, we gotta work on that girl because we want I want this to last right I want I want to be a good partner and I'm so thankful for an amazing partner that walks alongside me and supports me as you know I allow him to step in right I'm a very independent person probably to a fault and I never want to be a burden to anyone and so I'm always like I got it I got it and he's like I'm your partner you can trust me I'm here I'm not keeping tabs on what I do for you because that's my role as a partner right and that's kind of the opposite that we're told as adoptees right we're indebted to our adoptive parents they did this good thing you must honor them and so it's been a it's been a learning process for me to really feel like I'm not indebted to him he's doing these good things because it's my birthright to have someone love me and care for me in this way and I don't owe him anything and we just love each other and we show up for each other in that way that way because we love each other and we want to absolutely I mean this burden situation is that's for a lot of adoptive we do feel like you know we make ourselves so small we make uh, we try others make honestly others make us small though right like we only feel small because others have made us feel that way yeah you're right (laughs) yeah no that's very true yeah and then we end up not wanting to burden other people so right you know, it's it that and again it comes back to when you say earlier about you know adoptive parents don't don't go to any black space, for example. So they never make themselves uncomfortable. But right. we as adoptive have always as children adopted, we always have to make ourselves feel uncomfortable. So there is that, you know, he, he follow us all our life. So it's so normal that we end up in a way feeling burdened because or if you do something yeah. out of line. From what you've been taught automatically oh no I'm gonna burden someone so it's 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 a difficult to get out of it but it's yeah practice absolutely <laughs> yeah no and it is I mean I'm engaged five years into a relationship and still I have to remind myself like he's my partner he is here for me he is here to support me and it is hard because I'm doing you know 21 years of unlearning that <laughs> Um, and so five years doesn't is a long time, but really doesn't seem like that thinking of all the unlearning I've had to do um to get to a point to accept the love that I am deserving of. Tell me about unlearning. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all deserving of it. It's not just me, we're all deserving of it, right? No, we do. And I think the, the unlearning is the hard thing because that conditioning, I mean, you've got society conditioning, we've got our own family conditioning. So yeah. it, it's a lot to, there's so many layers <laughs> to unlearn. No, it is. And it's overwhelming, right? To be mm-hmm. like, I have to do all these things that I didn't do myself, right? I have to heal from things others have done to me, not what I've done to myself. And 
it's hard work. It's exhausting work. Yeah, it's work. I was going to say it's beautiful then when you get to this point where you are in life, where you can acknowledge that I'm wealthy. I'm, it's my birthright to be loved, to be happy because you've done the work and you know who you are and where you belong, really. So that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I just love it. Yeah. <laughs> So I, um, I'm not going to keep it too long, but I always ask uh, the same question to all my guests at the end of the podcast, which is if you had to give one advice to a younger Lydia or maybe a younger adopt who come to, to you for mentorship, what would you tell them? That's such a hard one, because I think as a young, you know, as a young teenager, we hear what we want to and we kind of think. You know, you think middle school, high school is the end of the world. You think that's your whole life. But I would remind a younger Lydia or any other adoptee to boldly and unapologetically be yourself. And your true support system will be there with you, rocking and rolling with you um, when you do that. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Well, Lydia, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. And I thank wish you, you all the best um, for the wedding preparation. About you. <laughs> you are very relaxed, so I know you're going to be okay. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. I'm so thankful that we found a time to chat. And I look forward to hearing more about the retreats you're hosting. Of course. <laughs> And uh, yeah, do keep in touch as well. And if there is any anything new in your life, please come back to the podcast and tell us. Maybe when you get married and tell us. Yeah, we can do a part two. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, thank you. Speak to you soon. Take care. Yes, thank you. This is Christelle Pellecure, and you have been listening to Black Adoptees' Identities, where Black adult adoptees share their stories. Please do share and subscribe to our podcast, and do stay connected with us by following us on Instagram at Black Adoptees' Identities. Thank you for listening to this week's episode, and until next time, goodbye.